Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we begin a brand new series, Feed Yourself. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And now on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. That was, that was a little Homer Simpson-like, wasn't it? <laughs> Donut. How's everybody doing? Doing good? Yeah. How are we doing? Doing good? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, we got some great weather. It's awesome. Um, I'll tell you, I, I haven't been around to uh, teach the last few weeks, but I'll tell you what, I just wanted to update a couple things. I had a chance to be in Kansas City uh, two weeks ago, and I was invited there because a church that we helped plant 10 years ago had their 10th anniversary. And so they invited me to come and speak, and um, you don't even know what I'm going to say yet. Look at that. That's awesome. I want you to take a look at this picture, because I love this picture. Because one of the things they did, they had an auditorium downtown filled with, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 people, just packed out. But then they put up on the screen, and this is a picture from where we commissioned them. On the slide is us commissioning a group of about 20 folks from community to go plant this church in Kansas City, okay? And then they had them all back up there again. And I want you to know this, since then, over the last 10 years, this is why we are so, so excited about church planting. They have planted in the last 10 years, they've helped plant... 43 churches, 43 churches, is that awesome? Helping people find their way back to God, and uh, just good, good stuff. Then last week I had to be at several different locations, we had our Compassion Sunday, and um, I'll tell you what, it was an amazing day, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happened, we're going to share the results with that at the end of the service, but I'm just telling you, I am super, super proud of all of you guys. Um, so, but today we're starting a brand new series, and I think this may be one of the most important series that we have done in a very, very long as it applies to your own personal spiritual growth. So I hope you're just going to kind of latch on, engage, be here all week. Um, in preparation for this, myself and the teaching team, we did a little bit of homework, a little digging, um, and found some just absolutely incredible facts about our physical bodies. I mean, in fact, so remarkable, it's, it's, it's almost amazing, are these really true? But we were able to verify these. Check this out. A single human being, okay? You, sir, a single human being, if we were to uncoil your DNA, if we uncoiled your DNA, we could take your DNA, it would stretch 10 billion miles from here all the way to Pluto and then back to you again. That's all going on right in here. Like, okay, and you, sir, for example, for you, sir, your brain, okay, this is just how brilliant you are. Your brain generates, you ready for this, more electrical impulses in a single day than, than all of these in the entire world do combined. Let's hear it for this man's brain, all right? That's impressive. You, sir, 50,000 cells in your body just died and then replaced themselves in the time that I've been talking to you. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it just happened, okay? It has nothing to do with my talking to you, okay? It just I'll tell you what, these things right here, I mean, they're absolutely just incredible. When you begin to really look and think about all the stuff that's going on, it's just incredible. I'll tell you what, turn to someone near you and just do like this, go like, you are incredible. You are incredible. You, yeah, exactly. Now, here's the thing, though, and I want you to get this. If you don't get this, you're going to miss what we're talking about. <clears throat> as incredible as these are, as incredible as God's made them, here's the catch. If you don't feed it, it all stops working. If you don't feed it, if you don't feed it, if you don't, it all stops working. 
These bodies, they can go 30, 40 days max without eating. But if we don't eat, all the incredible systems, all the incredible processes, all of that stuff that we just talked about, okay, it all comes to a grinding halt. For all the wonders that are, that are inside the skins here, of our, made up of our bodies, it needs food, it needs to be fed. Now here's the reason why this is so important today and as we start this brand new series. While it may not be readily apparent, just like your body, okay, it's not designed just to be self-sustaining. Neither is your soul. Neither is your soul. You have to feed it. So right off the bat, let's just, let's just make sure we get this. Our soul, our soul needs feeding. You got to get that one right off the bat. Our soul needs feeding. The truth is this. Our souls are not self-sustaining. The things that we take in, the things that we consume with our eyes, with our heart, with our mind, they will impact the health and the shape of our souls. Just like what we take into our bodies impacts the health and shape of our body. And what we all need is we need some really, really, really good soul food. We need some really good soul food. I was down in Atlanta with our lead team. We were doing some stuff, and we made a stop at a restaurant called Pascal's. Anybody heard of Pascal's? Anybody? We got one. Anybody else? Pascal's is this great soul food restaurant in Atlanta. Actually, Dr. Martin Luther King used to kind of hang out there a lot. And there was an old guy. Eric was there. Remember that? It was so cool. There was an old guy there who still worked there from way back in the day. And he was telling us stories about King and interacting with him and stuff. But then after the stories, which were awesome, the food was equally, equally awesome. Good soul food. But what we need, okay, we're talking about, is we need food that's good for our souls. Now, where do we find that? Now, I'm going to jump to the bottom line, then I'm going to hope to motivate you to do something about this today. As followers of Jesus, the simple answer is this, okay? The soul food, this is the soul food. This is for our, prime, our truth source right here, the Bible. This is our soul food. Whether, whether it shows up in paper like this or it shows up digitally like this, either one, okay? Here's the deal. This is what we count on for daily nourishment. This needs to be the main course of our spiritual appetite, and, and here's why I'm so excited about this series, because what we're going to do is we're going to push you to go like, you know what? I, I, I want to nurture my soul. I want to grow my soul. I don't, I don't want to suffer from spiritual malnutrition. And we're going to figure out how we can do this together. Here, here's one of the things that I hear a lot, and I, I'm going to kind of, I want to go there a little bit. I hear a lot of people as they kind of, they go from, maybe they show up at a church, or maybe they show up at a brand new church, or they say, here's what I'm looking for at a church. They'll say, what, I'm really, what I really want is I want to go to a place where I can be what? Anybody? Help me. I can be fed, right? You ever heard that? Go to church. I just want to go to a church where, I'm, where I feel like spiritually I'm being fed. Now, I think the intentions behind that comment are good. But I think there's, I think there's, I think there's some, some things that are also problematic about that way of thinking, though. And here's, where I, wanna, here's where I think we need to grow up a little bit. Imagine if you walked into a restaurant. You walk into Pascal's down in Atlanta. You have to get to, get to go to this rest, awesome restaurant. And you say, uh, yeah, hello, I'd like a table for two. It's going to be me and my wife. I'd like a table for two. And they take us over there and they sit us down. And I say, oh, and, and I add, after they give me a table for two, and I would like for you to feed me the food. That would just be weird, Right? That would, because, I mean, it's expected that someone is going to be a host and take you to the table and they're going to serve you the food. But, it, but nobody expects that then the server is going to reach over with a knife and fork and cut up your food and then insert it into your mouth, right? That's just strange. You would think there was something the matter. 
In a similar way, a maturing follower of Jesus, what we have to do is we have to know where to go to get the food, and then we have to learn how, okay, to do this, to feed ourselves, to feed ourselves. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. I want to take two different angles at it. One is kind of an angle that's uh, actually a, a huge, significant study that was done on this topic. And then, and then, then I want to come back with it and look at the life of Jesus. So let's start with this study. There was a study conducted a few years ago. And maybe some of you have heard of this. called the Reveal Study. Okay? The Reveal Study. Fascinating stuff. They spent a lot of money on it and interviewed tens of thousands of people. And basically, a, a couple things came out. They were able to determine that people kind of fell into some broad categories as far as their spiritual maturity. And they kind of narrowed it at least to three to start with. Though those people who were what they called um, new Christ followers. Then the second category is what they called people who are growing as a Christ follower. And then the third category were those who are mature Christ followers. Okay, so you got that? So what you have is you have new, growing, and mature. Then they may ask this question. Again, tens of thousands of people. What are the experiences? What are the exercises spiritually that help you continue to grow spiritually through these phases? Now, a couple things came out. They found that for for the new Christ follower, an experience like this, a weekend celebration service, that is a, that is, makes a huge impact early on. When you're first finding your way back to God, this is so, so, so important. Okay, that kind of a practice. What they found for maturing Christ followers, if you've been doing this for a while, what really catalyzes spiritual growth, this relation with God, is what they found uh, rose to the top was um, the, uh, the opportunity to contribute, uh, to serve, to make a difference in the life of someone else to do something in your community, to use your gifts or give your resources, that made a big difference as far as your own maturing. Having said that, though, there was one activity that was powerful at every stage. Okay, are you tracking with me on this? Give me a little nod. Are you with me? Okay, good. There's one activity that was powerful at every stage. And not only was it powerful and impactful at every stage, it was number one with a bullet, the most powerful and the most impactful at every stage. New, growing, and mature. Any guesses what that might have been? Anybody? You can talk to me. Go ahead. What do you, what do you think? What do you think it might have been? What was it? Okay, reading the Bible, that's a very good guess, but I want to nuance it because it was actually what they discovered. It wasn't just reading the Bible. Here's what they said. What came back from that study was this. Actually, reflection. And they made a distinction between that. They said, it's not just reading it, but you have to actually reflect on it. Okay, Reflection on Scripture. That's what this, this reveal study said. Now, I don't want you to just take it just from this study, even though they spent tons of money on this and, and, and interviewed tens of thousands of people. Let's take a look at the life of Jesus and his own personal connection with God the Father. If we go back to when he, during his early, earthly ministry, those three years, when he first started, he's in the wilderness for 40 days. He's praying and he's fasting. And in the middle of praying and fasting, the evil one shows up and starts to tempt him. And he tempts him by saying this to him. He says, hey, take a look at those stones. Why don't you use your power to turn those stones, because he's been fasting for four days, into bread. Hot, fresh bread right out of the oven. And here's how Jesus responds. He says this. He says this to the evil one. He says, listen, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I want you to notice this. This is really important. Jesus responds 
by quoting scripture. Specifically, even though this is in the New Testament, because that's where it says here, he's actually quoting from the Old Testament. And I think this is very significant. And the reason it's significant is this, because scripture was so much a part of him that when he came upon this challenging situation, this stressful situation, that's what came out of him, scripture. And I think this is true. When we are under pressure, when we are feeling the squeeze, what comes out of us is usually the stuff that's inside of us. When we're feeling the pressure, when we're feeling the squeeze, there's a challenging situation, what comes out of us is usually the stuff that's inside of us. And what was inside of him was scripture. And what Jesus does here, he makes a connection between how important food is for our physical well-beings and how important God's word is for our souls and our spiritual well-beings. Now, the Old Testament scripture he's actually referring to goes back to a story. There's a story in the Old Testament. It was a time where the children of Israel had been in prison in Egypt. I'm sorry, been in slavery in Egypt for uh, quite some time. And now all of a sudden they were free. A million of them were free under the leadership of Moses. Now being free from being slavery, that's a great thing, right? But all of a sudden a million people who are wandering out in the desert with nothing to eat, no Chipotle, <laughs> No five guys, right? No Chick-fil-A, okay? That's not a good thing. And so they're wandering out in the desert. They got nothing to eat. And so the people, this million people, they begin to complain to Moses. Here's what they say to Moses. They say, hey, Moses, if only we had died by the Lord's hand back in Egypt. I mean, because back there, back in Egypt, we sat around pots of meat and ate food. All the food we wanted. But you've brought us to this desert to starve to death. I don't know about you. When I read this, okay, pots of meat. All the food that we wanted. I mean, immediately I start thinking of like a Brazilian steakhouse. How many of you, Fogo de Chao? How many of you, been to, yes, are you with me? You know, you got that little green coaster. You just, you've been there, oh my, it's so awesome. You turn the green coaster over on the upside and they just kind of keep bringing you literally like pots of meat, all that you want. More ribs, more sirloin, more filet. I mean, whatever you want. I mean, I don't know, to me, if, if Egypt was like Fogo de Chao, no wonder they were complaining. I, I want to go back, right? So anyway, I don't know that. But here's the here's response. The response to the complaints. God says this to Moses. He says this in verse four, next verse. He says, okay, Moses, listen, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people, here's what they're gonna do. They're gonna go out each day and they're gonna gather enough for that day. And so Moses then hears this from God. So he goes and tells the Israelites, here's what God has promised you. We skip down to verse eight and he says, in the morning, you're gonna see the glory of the Lord because he has heard, okay, your complaining. He's heard your grumbling. So the next morning, the next morning when the dew was gone, these thin flakes like frost, that's the way it describes it in the Bible, appeared on the ground of the desert floor. And if we skip down a few more verses, we continue the story. It says, and when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded you. Each of you is to take as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. And an omer was, was about a quart. And so then if we continue on, it says this. It says then, um, I think the next verse, right? It says, then, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but then it became full of maggots and began to smell. And the people of Israel called the bread manna. Now, 
there's a, all sorts of debates about exactly what was this manna, right? What was manna? Uh, some scientists actually suggest that maybe it was a special kind of lichen that grows on rocks in the wilderness. Um, others have said maybe it was uh, kind of fell from a particular plant that was indigenous to that area. Others even said that it's most likely kind of a larva of beetles, which I don't know about that one. The Bible doesn't really say. But I've been thinking about this, and I even kind of did a little research. Now, now, now work with me on this, okay? Here's what it does say. The Bible says that this manna was flakes, okay, that fell like frost. Flakes that fell like frost. What do you think? What do you think it might have been? Parmesan cheese? <laughs> Somebody's hungry, ready for lunch. How about flakes that fell like frost? I'm going, it has to be what? Frosted flakes, right? Absolutely. That's what it was. And of course, it was great, right? Sorry. I worked a whole minute to get that joke in there. It was just too, you know, it was just sitting there too. Here's the truth. The truth about manna. Here's the truth about manna. Actually, they did, here's what like, manna, they, you saw it earlier. Man, they just called it, what is it? <laughs> what is it? And, that, and it kind of just stuck. That's what they called it. They didn't really care what it was because it, was, because it actually satisfied their appetite and it, and it made them full because they, they knew they could eat it. And, and so they ate the same thing every day. I mean, they had manna every day. So, I mean, they probably had to get pretty creative too. So they had, um, I imagine, boiled manna, fried manna, roast manna, <laughs> manna cakes, manna burgers. For dessert, what do you think they had for dessert? How about manna splits? Anybody? Yes? <laughs> we could do this all day. Anyway, manna was the food that God gave him, and he gave it to him every day. Now, I want you to get this, okay? We have a few last. I want you to get this part. This is really important. This is the connection back to what Jesus said, all right? We go to Deuteronomy now, and it says this. It says, now remember how the Lord your God led you in the desert for 40 years, and he humbled you, feeding you with manna to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, let me ask this. Does that sound familiar? It should sound familiar, because right here, this is the exact phrase that Jesus used when he was in the wilderness being tempted. The phrase that was inside of him, so when he got the squeeze, it's what came out of him. He memorized and had this scripture in his head and in his heart. It was inside of him. Now that's important, but what's important about this story is that it actually reveals that God wasn't just trying to feed them, the children of Israel, with manna, but he was actually trying to build a relationship. He was trying to get them to grow up spiritually. This word here in, in the Hebrew is a very important word, humbled. When you see the word humbled, he's trying to humble them. It doesn't mean he's kind of putting the spiritual smack down on them and kind of shaming them and putting them in their place. That's not what it means. What it means, it, it, it actually the very word for, for, for humbled in Hebrew, it means to acknowledge your true source. It means to acknowledge your true source. As opposed to thinking, you are the true source of everything that you have and need. What God was doing, he said, no, I want you to acknowledge that I am the true source of all that you have and all that you need, physically and spiritually. And here's the thing, okay? Now let's turn the corner. Let's bring it home here. Naperville, okay, 2018. I believe God wants to do the same thing for us. I think he wants every one of us in this room to walk out and say, you know what? I got to have God's word. I gotta have this kind of food in my life. I gotta have this for me, whether it's on paper or showing up digitally, I gotta have this so I can survive. My soul can survive, so my soul can actually thrive. And I'm gonna push you on this one, okay? 
I'm assuming you're here because you're going like, you know what? I don't want to stay here spiritually. I want to continue to grow spiritually. So let me push you on this one. And here we go. This reflection on scripture, we know that is the key source, both according to research and according to the life of Jesus for growing spiritually. I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you to hold your hand up or stand up, but I always want you to respond silently, okay? I'll do a couple things here. Experts tell us 87% of the population in the United States own Bibles, 87%. And that's just a, that's just a paper a book, okay? When you think about now, there's really at least three very popular, okay, Bible apps that have millions and millions and millions of downloads. Probably 95% of the people actually have a Bible and 100% of the people have access to it. But this is where I want you to do a little self-assessment. When they ask, how many of you actually read it? Daily. They didn't even go on the question of reflecting on it. Okay, spend some time pondering it, but just read it daily. Only two out of 10 of Americans say they actually do it. And how about you? Let's just, I mean, let's just be real about it, right? How about you? And again, this is not me beating up on you. But this, this, I'm trying to drive a really important truth into your life. Because here's what I'm convinced of, okay? Well, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that many of our lives lack spiritual vitality, okay, is because we are starving to death. We are starving to death because we're not getting enough of this. Some of us, even in this room, we, we, we have a tendency, we kind of look at our small group, hey, you know, my small group's just not doing it for me. Or this church, you know, it's just not feeding me. And you kind of jump from church to church to church. But let me just push you on this. Maybe what's really going on is there's spiritual malnutrition happening in your life because you haven't gone from this stage to this stage to this stage and learned how to feed yourself. Is that fair? Can we, can we go there? I think it's important for us to get that. Because let's be honest, too. I mean, someone who you constantly have to feed over and over and over again I mean, in human terms, what would you call that? What would you call an individual you have to constantly... Either there's something physically very wrong or it's a baby. Right? Is this like... You guys are like really sober. Is this, am I, is this too harsh? I mean, it's just it's true, right? And I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you. And for some of us, I think what's going on is that we're just not eating properly. And what we need is a spiritual diet. We need manna from God. My soul, okay, I'm talking to Dave Ferguson, needs feeding. Your soul needs feeding. Our souls need feeding. And the way we do it is by reflecting on Scripture. Reflecting on Scripture. There there was an early uh, Jewish tradition that they would do with five-year-old kids is they would begin attending local synagogues. I find this interesting. One of the things they would do when they were going to introduce to them the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, they would take these little kids and they would put honey on their fingers. The sweetest thing they had. And honey for them was like candy. It was like candy, like giving them candy. They put honey in their fingers and they'd allow the little kid to, to have some candy to lick the honey. And then the rabbi would introduce scripture by going here and would teach this to the kids. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And it was like, hey, just as good as that tastes, I want to begin to whet your appetite for what God's word can do for you. All right. I'm not going to place honey in all your fingers, <laughs> but I do want to, I, I want to, I, I want to give you just a taste. Okay. We're going to do something that we're just kind of calling a lab. And when you came in, when you came in, you should have got a handout like this. Everybody get one of those. And if you didn't get one, go ahead and raise your hand right now. Raise your hand real high. I want to make sure everybody gets one of those. Cause I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to participate in this. All right. 
Okay, raise your hand real high. Looks like most of you got one. If you didn't, raise your hand. I want to make sure you get Now, we're only going to spend about three minutes on this, but here's what I'd like for you to do. The first minute, okay, of three minutes, I want you to read this, this scripture. It's from James chapter 1, 19 to 27. All right, just read it. That's the first minute. Got that? What are you going to do the first minute? Very good. Then the second minute, I want you to actually reflect on this. Okay, so because reflection of scripture is not just reading it, but reflecting on it. And when you reflect on it, it's, this is not complicated, but it's kind of what jumps out at you? What is meaningful to you? And I think this is where you give the Holy Spirit a chance to work. Okay, what jumps out at you? What's meaningful to you? And then the third minute, so you read, you reflect, and then the third minute, I want you to write. Okay, I want you to write something down. Just go ahead and write down. Um, what does this make you think of? How does it apply to your life? Does that make sense? So read it for a minute, reflect on it for a minute, and then write down one or two sentences, okay? Three sentences at the most at, at what this means for you. And I think we have a little, Steve, we got a little mood music. Oh, there we go. All right, let's allow you to focus. Let's do it together for three minutes.
That was just a taste. Okay, just a taste. Um, I spent a few minutes just doing it too, and, and I just wrote up um, after reading that God's word is like a mirror for my soul. In the same way, I look at the mirror to make sure in the morning I look okay. I need to look into God's word to make sure I'm living okay. And the one verse that kind of jumped out at me is uh, where James says, "This will be, and, and those who do it will be blessed in what they do." It's a way to really receive God's blessing. I'll tell you what, here's what I want to do. Because I, I, I mean, I, I really, I want to close the deal on this one for you guys. And it's in your best interest, in your best interest. Let me give you two challenges. Both of them go back to the story um, uh, of, of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Okay, here's the first challenge. Will you do this every day? What you just got to taste it. Will you do this every day? Because remember, every day the children of Israel had to go out and collect manna, right? And if they tried to keep it, it was so interesting. If they tried to keep it in store for more than a day, what happened to it? You remember? Talk to me. What happened? Yeah, maggots, right? And so you either had, you either had fresh manna or you had manna with maggots. And, and I think what the story is kind of illustrating, say, no, you know what? Every day you have to go out. You can't just rely on the, the lesson I learned last week or last year or, or the, that, the five years ago when I read through the Bible. No, you need it fresh every day. Every day. And let me give you a couple things. Here's what you can do. Here's one thing. This is something that I actually use. This, the big idea Bible reading plan. Uh, the Big Idea Bible Reading Plan. If you go to communitychristian.org slash Bible, you can sign up for it. It'll show up in your inbox, okay, at 4 a.m. every morning, kind of like fresh manna. <laughs> there it is. And, uh, and I use this, and it goes along with the big idea that we're teaching on the weekend, and it gives you opportunity, a chunk of scripture that you can read, reflect, and then respond. Read, reflect, and respond. Now, that's what I do. What a lot of people are liking, here's a second option, and I, I encourage you, you have a pen and paper, write these down, okay? The first one was communitychristian.org slash Bible. This is what we call the, is the readscripture.org. That's the website, but just go and download the app. It's Read Scripture. That's, they're going to take you to the app. I've got this app. It's really cool. A lot of our staff are doing it. It has videos on it. There's a lot of neat tools there to really help you reflect, reflect on Scripture, it's a great, great resource. I mean, technology is so much on our side these days with this kind of stuff. So I would encourage you to download this Read Scripture uh, app. So that's the first one. Do this every day, fresh manna. But the second thing, you know, is that they went out as a community. They went out together. And if you want to really get the most out of God's Word, reflecting on Scripture, I'm telling you, one of the things you're, you really do is you need to consider joining a small group if you're not in one yet. The kind of insights you get from other people, the kind of encouragement and support you get to stick with it from other people is so, so, so crucial. I've been in a small group my whole adult life. In the same way they went out and gathered manna together, you need to do this thing together. You can text small group uh, uh, SG info right there, SG info to 313131. It doesn't sign you up for a small group, but they'll get you information about a lot of different kinds of small groups. So you have nothing to lose. Text that SG info 313131. Or, here's a second option on this, doing this together. I'm very fired up about this. We have put together a How to Read the Bible workshop. All right? And fortunately for you here at the Yellow Box, there are a number of different evenings that you can take advantage of this. If you go to Community Christian, write this down on your paper, communitychristian.org slash read. Just remember that, slash read. In addition to the ones they're having on location, I think this is kind of exciting, we're going to do a couple pilot projects. We're going to do two of them online. Okay, we have a Zoom platform. We have two of them we're going to do online that you can take advantage of so you don't have to be here. Um, but there's only a limited number of people that can be on that. And so if you want in it, you ought to sign up today. You ought to sign up today. All right? So that's what we're talking about. You need fresh manna daily, and you need to do it to do it together. Um, 
We're going to wrap up by having a time of communion together. And, uh, and I think maybe, I just want to use this moment to remember that when we read the Bible, we don't, just, we don't just read the Bible, okay? Either way, we don't just read the Bible for the Bible's sake, but it always points us to Jesus. It always helps us find our way back to God. And in John chapter 6, we find uh, Jesus discussing the very story we referenced today providing manna from heaven. And he concludes by saying something very interesting. Look what he says about himself. He says, listen, you may have missed this whole thing, but I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, Jesus is saying, all the nourishing words of scripture are always pointing you back to me. And I'm the one who's helping you find your way back to God. And I'm telling you, there's no better illustration of this reality than communion. And uh, today we have that opportunity. And what we're going to ask you to do is uh, actually, um, after I pray, we're going to give you the opportunity just when you're ready to stand up, get out of your seat, and uh, exit to your right, come down the aisle, and come across, and then go back to your seat on your left. And it's a little bit different today. Since we're doing a series called, you know, Feed Yourself, we kind of thought, you know what? What if we had just kind of like, I mean, real kind of chunks of bread? Because this is a way that we feed ourselves, how we nourish our souls. And so when you get up and you go to your right and come down and then come back to your left, come down here, grab a piece of bread, and then go ahead and dip it into the cup. Just dip it into the cup, and then uh, you can take it then or take it back to your seat and take it whenever you're ready. But this is just one of the many ways um, that we get to nourish our souls um, ongoingly. All right? So let's say a prayer, and then in a moment I'll dismiss you so you can come forward and take communion together. Father God, I just want to say thanks. I want to say thanks that you're so good to us, that everything you do is about growing us closer to you, about getting us closer and helping us find our way back to you, growing us up spiritually. Lord, I ask that, uh, that you just give us, give us the courage. If it's courage we need or discipline that we need or the accountability or the kind of community we need, to do these things we know will nourish our soul that are really are in our own best interest. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.